Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Now as he shares God's word, come on and take it away. Thank you so much, Dad, for giving me this opportunity. So the topic for my message is the ability to face impossibility. Now, this culture is just slowly getting darker and darker, and it's constantly shouting at us how to be a good person. And the way that it shouts at us and tells us how to be a good person isn't always biblical. Um, so what's cool about following Jesus and Christianity is that we actually have something that we can go back to that isn't shifted by the culture. We have solid truth. We have a rock that we can stand on. And if you want to know how to be a good person, if you want to know how to really follow Jesus and how to be a man or woman of God, there are three things, three attributes that you can work on. One is faith, hope, and love. Now, in 1 Corinthians, that's what Paul tells us to have. He says, these, th- these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. Now, what are these things? If you've been raised in church or been around church for any period of time, you would have heard these things and even a few of these definitions. Faith is confidence of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So we have a biblical definition for that. We also have a definition for love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. But what is hope? In these definitions for faith and love, hope is actually in that definition. But what is hope? Our dictionary definition in 2023 is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. So it's, it's, a, it's a feeling, a desire, and oftentimes we even may say, we may throw hope in uh, some of our, our words. We may say like, oh, I hope there's no traffic today, or I hope I pass this test. But is that the extent of hope? I want to say no. Biblical hope is so much more than just a feeling, because our feelings always sway always change depending on our circumstances. But hope, biblical hope, is a lot different and a whole lot more powerful because biblical hope gives us the ability to face impossibility. Now, to really get a grasp on what hope is, what I like to do is I like to look at heroes in the Bible, men and women that have some of these attributes and we I, and I like to see how they 
used these things in their own lives and in their pretty amazing stories. And in these stories, we will see that oftentimes whenever these characters, they faced very difficult, dark, or even impossible situations, oftentimes they didn't have like this happy optimism that things would get better. Seriously. Now, like, let's look at David. David, he had a crazy life. But at some point, he became the, uh, he became, uh, he was, he was, um, he was put in a position where he was like right under King Saul and he was going to be, at some point, he was prophesied to be the next king of Israel. And things seemed to be going very well for David until King Saul, he got jealous of David and he tried to have him killed. In fact, he tried to kill him with his own hands on a few occasions. And David had to flee the kingdom of Israel after things were going so well and God was giving him favor. Then it's like everything was gone. And David had to, David was living in caves. And I don't think he had any joyful optimism that things would get better, but he had hope. Look at Joseph and his life. Joseph had a beautiful future in front of him. He had a father that loved him, but brothers that were jealous of him. And he was taken and he was beaten and he was sold into slavery. And things were starting to look a little good for for Joseph. He started to get favor by his master, but then he was accused of sexual assault. And then he was thrown into prison And it seemed like then his life was completely over. There was no way that he could get out of a situation like that in the natural. I doubt that Joseph even had any optimism that things would get better than that, yet he had hope. Look at Job losing his business, his wealth, his children in a day. That is that's terrible. We can't even imagine pain like that, impossibility like that. Yet Job had hope. And Paul, Paul, he, a man of God who went through so much to bring the name of Jesus to all places around the the world, he faced a lot of challenges and a lot of impossibility. Now, What's really cool is in the scriptures, in in 2 Corinthians, we actually get like this, uh, a day in the life of Paul, I want to say, where Paul, he's he's writing a letter to a a church, and there are some of these like super apostles that are going around saying, like downplaying Paul and saying that he doesn't have the right credentials to do what he's doing. And so in defense, he writes this to, uh, to the Corinthians. And now keep in mind that, that, what he talks about, he says that, that it's, it's not necessarily right to, to go and, and to proclaim all the sufferings and toil you go through, uh, but he's doing it for this specific instance. And he even says, I'm out of my mind talking like this. Uh, but in 2 Corinthians, he says, are they Hebrews? So am I talking about these super apostles. Are they Israelites? Well, so am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind talking like this. I am more. And now we get to really get a glimpse on what Paul's life was like, and it wasn't pretty. It says, I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. 
I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Keep in mind, Jesus got that before he went to the cross. And in the eyewitness accounts, he wasn't even recognizable from his scourging. So he got that five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones, which is stoning, which is a form of of execution. (laughs) Three times I was shipwrecked. We have one of his accounts of the times he was shipwrecked. And it was an impossible situation that he got through. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. And that's not on a boat. That's in the water. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and I've often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst. I've often gone without food and I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who's weak and I don't feel weak? Who is led into sin and I don't inwardly burn? Yet through all of this, Paul had hope. And this hope gave Paul the ability to face impossibility. Now, he wasn't fueled by optimism. In biblical hope, it's not determined on your circumstances and what you see. But it's, it's not based on your circumstances, but on the ability of God. See? So I've crafted my own little definition for biblical hope. Biblical hope is the peace and joy that you receive by choosing to trust that God has the ability to overcome impossibility. And I've written up this little definition from from actually a verse that Paul wrote. In Romans 15, he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul, he exercised this amazing hope that's not based on circumstances, but based on the ability of God. And Paul faced situations where, like he said, death again and again and again and again, yet he continues to get up on his feet and move forward. Now, that's amazing. And Paul not only trusted God with his future, but that there was more to life than just this life. He knew that even if he perished, even if he suffered and died, that there's more to this life than just this life. Because beyond it, he gets to be with Christ. He gets to be with Jesus In one of his letters to the churches, he's like, ah, 
And whenever he's in prison, he's like, I'm torn in two. I want to continue my ministry, but I also want to be with Christ. He's like, if they release me from prison, I get to continue my ministry. If not, I get to be with Christ. Either way, I win. What if we got to live like that? What if we got to have that kind of hope that regardless of what happens, you win. If you suffer for God, your reward in heaven just gets bigger. And if you die, you get to be with Christ. How amazing is that? And in Paul's definition for for how to have hope, he says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So it starts with us doing something. Not for us just wishful thinking, oh, maybe things will get better, but it's trusting in God. It begins with trust. The key is trust. The key to overcoming impossibility is trust in God. David trusted in God. Joseph trusted in God. Job trusted in God. And Paul trusted in God. Now, it's easy just to say, now trust in God, and that's it. But we know that trusting in God can be pretty difficult. And in fact, we often need to be brought to our knees before we can really trust God. We need to get rid of all the things that we lean on before we can really lean on God. That's the uncomfortable truth, but it's true. Oftentimes we need to go through difficulties and we need to go through times of suffering just so that we know that we're not good enough and we need a savior. Because if we could get through it without God, then why in the world would we need a savior? Now, Paul, he actually writes about this sort of thing. He talks about suffering and how it's actually important for us. In Romans 5, he says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. That's kind of crazy. He says to be happy and to be joyful about our sufferings and to embrace them. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character hope. So how can we obtain this biblical hope that Paul and the other hearers of scripture had, how can we get this ability to face impossibility? Well, true hope is born by persevering through difficulties while putting your trust in God. I'm going to say it one more time. True hope is born by persevering through difficulties while putting your trust in God. Now, I want to give you an example from my own life about a time whenever I was going through my own suffering and I had to put my trust in God. When I was five years old, <laughs> I went to the Comal, is that how you say it? The Comal River in New Braunfels with my parents. And that's a place where there's this, there's this like fast flowing river and you can rent tubes and you can get into the tubes and you can go down the current. And it's a lot of fun. But for a five-year-old that is 
was not very good at swimming at all. It actually very much terrified me. But I, I talked to my dad. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And my dad was like, it's okay. I've got a plan. And so my dad, he had his tube and I had my tube. And he found some rope, wherever. And he, there, there were like the, the handles that were on the tubes. And he got this rope and he tied our tubes together so that we would always be next to each other in the river. So as long as my strength, my pillar was there, that I would be okay. And so we got into the water and we started to drift on the current. It was beautiful. It was sunny. It was hot. There were lots and lots of people there, so much so that our tubes were hitting together and there were only a few spots where you could actually see the water. And as we were going down the current, there were signs that said that there was a, a drop, a place where there was a a shoot. And I was like, oh, shoot. And so we went to the shoot, and then poosh, we went down the first shoot, and it rocked my tube, but I was okay, and I survived. And then there was a second one, and this was a, a bigger one. And I, I think it even recommends that you leave and, and push your, your tube to the side of the river and pick it up and walk around it. But we didn't know. And so we hit this other shoot, and then I fell off of my tube because, actually, I... I, I realized it later, but the rope that we had tied our tubes together, it actually created a pivot point so that my tube flipped because of that rope right there. And so me trying to be extra safe and cautious, it made me fall into the water. Now I fell headfirst into this water and I started to dog paddle to the surface. But as I was, people began to kick me down without even realizing it. There were a lot of people on the river that day. And I kind of just lost track of which way was up at all. And then the current grabbed hold of me, pulled me to the bottom of the river. And I could even feel like the, the, the plants that were growing in the bottom of the river with my feet. It was murky. It was dark. The water was opaque. You couldn't see. And as a five-year-old... That was utterly terrifying. It would be for any of us, but I was separated from my pillar of strength. And I was all alone. I didn't have my brothers to help me. I didn't have my dad or my mom. And I tried to hold my breath. And what's wild, uh, some people have mentioned it, but it's like a life flash before your eyes thing. I had one of those as a five-year-old, my five years of life. And I saw my life flash before my eyes at the time I, I stole a cookie and then my mom got, got me in trouble and, and the time I went into the creek and I wasn't supposed to, all my sins. And I actually, what's, what's wild, as a five-year-old, I even saw a, a, a vision of, of my funeral and my parents crying over me and my friends there as well. And it, and it like broke my heart. And that future was slowly becoming more and more of a possibility as I couldn't even breach the surface of the water. And in that moment, as a five-year-old, I, I mean, of course, I'm a pastor's son, so I always was in church. God was talked about regularly. But in that moment, I really thought to God, I didn't have a reason to before. 
and I really thought about God, and I just gave up the reins to him. I just trusted him with whatever was going to happen because there was nothing else for me to do. And as I did that, I just released this, really my life to him. I trusted him and he gave me a peace. And I remember it's like time slowed down and I felt okay. And I decided that I was going to count to 10 until I took a breath of water. So I counted from one to 10. And then I counted from one to 10 again. And then I counted to 15. And in that moment, I didn't really realize it. But God was giving me the strength and the courage to face this impossibility. He gave me the ability to face this impossible situation. Before I knew it, I was being lurched out of the water. <laughs> and I was like, oh, dad, but it wasn't my dad. It was some, some bald sunburnt man that held me and he was just like on, on his tube. And he, in one hand, he held me by the shirt and the other hand, he held a beer in his hand. <laughs> I told the story in, in, the, uh, in the kid's church and one of the kids was like, was it an angel that saved you? And I was like, mm-mm. <laughs> I don't think so. And he held me, and I was like, did you see me in the water? Thank you for saving my life. And he was like, no, I didn't see you. And the water was very murky. There was no way he could have seen me. And I just held onto his tube, and I just kind of thought through what had just happened. And I didn't even realize I was that close to the surface, close enough that, a man just dangling his arm in the water felt me and pulled me up. God performed a miracle that day and he saved my life. I didn't have any optimism of being saved. I didn't even have an expectation of being saved. But as I trusted in him, he gave me the ability to face that impossibility. And then I saw one of my brothers standing on the side of the river and the man brought me over to the side and I, I met up with him and later I met up with my dad and, and then I remember you were very frightened and, and scared and I was like, it's okay, it's okay. I almost died, but thanks a lot, dad, with the rope. But our trust in God gives us the peace and joy, oftentimes just to wait because that's all we can do Sometimes just to keep doing what you're doing, doing the work that God has placed in front of you, and just to wait. Now, if you want to really obtain this hope, to obtain this ability, ability to face impossibility, then I've actually broken down a few specific things that we can do so that we don't necessarily have to wait for the suffering to come. We can prepare for it so that we can be ready. Four things that we can do. One is just to get into the word. Seeing what God has done in the past can give us hope for what God can do in the present. Come on. If God brought a crucified man from the dead three days later, 
what can he do for you? Let's have that kind of hope. Another is fasting. Now this is a simple way to go through or like a controlled suffering where we are rejecting our flesh. And that can quickly bring you to the point where you're on your knees. You've got to trust in God. Next is prayer. Simply just saying, God, I put my trust in you. That can create a spiritual shift that can really bring results beyond your expectation. Now there's worship, which we're going to do in just a little bit. Worship really just gets our eyes off of us, off of our circumstance. And we get to look to God, the God who makes a way where there is no way. And if you do these things, just these simple things, you'll be able to put your trust in God, the God of hope, and he will give you the ability to face impossibility. So I want us just to pray. If you want to, if you want God to work on that in, in your heart, if you want to start to receive that biblical hope that these hearers of scripture had, I want you just to pray this prayer with me along with everyone else. Say, Lord Jesus, I recognize you're the son of God. You're the God of hope. And I need hope. I'm facing an impossible situation, a difficulty. God, I need you. I put my trust in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.